1: Welcome to More Than Potential, the podcast. On this show, we talk about mental health, well being, and self improvement from a Gen Z perspective. I'm your host, Faith. So, today we have a really special episode. I'm super excited because I have a few friends of mine who decided to come on the show and talk about this subject. I have a friend of mine from college, her name is Kiara. She's 22 years old, living in Georgia. She recently completed her undergrad and she's currently doing research about clinical psych programs in her region. She's really grateful to be employed (laughs) and secretly an artist. She loves music, dancing, cooking, all the artistic things. She's navigating her twenties with as much patience and grace as she can. She's trying to carve out her path and enjoy her life in the process. Everybody put your virtual hands together for my friend Kira. Hello,
2: thank you for inviting me. Happy
1: to be here. I'm happy you're here. <laughs> do you have anything you want to say to the people? Like, how can they find you?
2: Um, I don't do that anymore. Uh, but you know, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, we don't do that. We, we're, good. we're good on that. Okay. Well, you know, thank you for coming on the show. You know, we actually met because I did an undergrad research project. And so she was one of the focus group participants. And she was very insightful. So I know that she's going to have a lot of interesting things to say. So my next guest is someone I also know from college, um, but we met completely differently. <laughs> she was a resident assistant when we met. So her name is Brianna. She is a financial analyst at Wells Fargo Bank, where she underwrites loans to several large companies. So before this role, Brianna was serving in several positions, including auditing, derivative markets at SunTrust. Wow, I really don't know what that means, y'all, but that sounds very impressive. She's very (laughs) impressive, guys. (laughs) She audits derivative markets at SunTrust, now truest rank, and financial planning at Hensler Financial Brianna also operated a small house painting business during the summer of 2016, where she and her four employees generated over $25,000 in revenue in just three months. Most recently, she is working to launch a blog called Justin Analyst, a platform to help Gen Z and millennials build wealth holistically by focusing on their mental, physical and spiritual growth. Every week, she will post She will have posts focusing on financial planning, budgeting, building assets, and multiple sources of income, healthy eating, fitness, self-care, mental motivation, and spiritual awareness. You can follow her at Justin Analyst on Instagram for weekly tips and mental motivation. I'm going to clarify, at just underscore, A underscore analyst. (laughs) Remember the underscore, that's important. Uh, so like I mentioned earlier Brianna and I went to the same school uh, we both went to Kennesaw State University and Brianna graduated with the BA in finance and she graduated with honors y'all honors honors she is a proud Sigma Epsilon chap she's a part of the Sigma Epsilon chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated oh, and okay. she serves as treasurer of this chapter it's very very big deal for her in her free time, Brianna likes to read, write poetry, dance, and hang out with her friends. So, everybody, welcome the very accomplished Brianna.
0: <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here um, and happy to, you know, take time to talk with Faith and Kira on this very important subject today. So, thank you.
1: Great. I'm really excited to have you guys on. You know, I think both of you are, like, super smart And you have different smarts in different areas. So I think your experiences will be interesting. And I think there will be a lot to gain from your insight. So the topic today is Black women in dating and relationships. And I know this seems to be a very interesting subject for some because There is always this perception that we're like inherently struggling and inherently like valued less on the dating market. So I thought it would be a good idea to let other black women set the record straight and also provide some context about what's going on. So my first question, when you see a lot of like the social media posts about black women struggling to date or find anyone, what is your response to that?
0: Um, when I see the post, it kind of cr- makes me cringe inside, because for one, I do have like a piece of me that relates to, you know, well, sometimes I do feel like it's hard for me to date. And I, for me, especially being a dark skinned, um, successful black woman, I'm seen as intimidating because I'm not afraid to step to a man if they want to come at me sideways. So it makes it harder for me to date because I'm w- not willing to accept or settle a lot of the things that I think a lot of women are willing to settle for, um, but at the same time, I also think that you know well why are we why are we putting that stigma out there because there is good men out there, you have to be willing to find them, and also I think you a lot of people do not focus on the internal growth that needs to come with um, finding yourself before you settle with a with a man so for me, I've been single for you know a couple of years at at one point and so that time I found a lot about myself that had I not worked on it beforehand before I got into um or the beginnings of a relationship that I'm currently into now um it would have been an issue and it would cause a rift in the relationship so I definitely think that while there it can be warranted there's a lot of assumptions and stigma that shouldn't be there when you see those posts and that only adds fuel to the flame uh for me
2: yeah i agree with that fully um because social media is so prevalent much more than it was when we were younger people i think about like the younger black girls that haven't even really had an opportunity to create any sort of like um fantasy about how maybe they want um, to be in partnership with somebody in the future. And it, it's discouraging fully. Also to me, like, I'm still a young person. So it's like, it's like almost to, um, it's very much like one-sided. I totally feel like everybody has struggles with dating, like all types of people, all types of women, you know? And for it to be uh, framed in this way where it's just us, as usual, out here struggling, like, nobody want us like we trying like we overdo it because we know that nobody want to be with us all that type of stuff like it um it, it definitely infiltrates in a way that I think is painful and potentially harmful to us in the future yeah that's how I feel about it
1: <laughs> you're all right, so well spoken y'all so obviously like wow <laughs> But, you know, I think that, like, points were made, points were made all day long. Um, one thing that Kira said that resonated with me and it kind of triggered me a little bit was the fact that, like, you have to think about all the young Black girls who are growing up who haven't even really started dating yet because they're kids and they're growing up seeing like all these articles and posts that are saying that they're supposed to be undesirable. And even if it doesn't actually fit in with what their lived experience is, because there's plenty of black girls who are desired almost to the point where it causes us harm, by the way. I think it's really weird to be like, a young girl seeing all of this like misogyny specific to us and then having to reconcile the fact that that's not happening for them, or maybe it is. And then you're like, Oh, well, is this what I have to look forward to? Is this like black womanhood? Is black womanhood constantly comparing my womanhood to other races of women, you know?
2: Yeah, I feel like especially like younger black girls who are growing up in um, predominantly white or non-black environments, it's like you're seeing this on the internet. And then oftentimes like that is kind of being affirmed like in your social situation. Like I know for a fact when I was younger, they were not the the boys at my school and high school middle school they were not interested in black girls like let alone like black looking black girls you know so I do think it just like creates like very um almost like traumatic conditions like for somebody to potentially move forward and like be uh lovable or in love you know
0: and I also think in addition to that is that it also unfortunately starts in the home because I have -hmm. plenty of times where, you know, I'm sitting at a table and it's like, why don't you have a boyfriend yet? Especially the older I get and the more accomplished I get. Why don't you have a boyfriend yet? Oh, if you went to an HBCU, you'd have a boyfriend by now. And it's completely degrading to me in a sense, because it's like, My accomplishments, I've accomplished so much in the short span of life that I've had so far. And the fact that we always come back to this, oh, well, I need a man to be complete. It's hurtful. And honestly, you begin to see yourself in that light unless you have. You take the time to really break down what that means to you. And so because I've taken that time, I can clearly see that that is not. Having a relationship is a compliment to my life, not a goal or Mm. something that I should strive for. It's Mm. a compliment. So if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I'm still me and I still have my own dreams and accomplishments. But it really does start in the home. And they see that in the home. They see that with their family. They see that with their friends. They see that in social media. So it's really, you know, like piling on here so that when they get to the age that they're ready to date, they have. Assumptions and expectations and values about themselves that may not necessarily be true, may not necessarily be correct. And they project that out into the world. And it, it's a cycle that keeps going over and over again. And yes. if at some point, we need to break it. Truly, we do. Ooh.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, <laughs> what Brianna said, I agree. Exactly, exactly. Like, it's the fact that it's in the home for me. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the, the ways that we see our own desirability and the pressure that we feel to, like, live a certain kind of life on a certain kind of timeline, it really does come from sometimes, like, the people closest to us. I mean, when I think about how fortunate I am that my mom never really forced me to really like invest so much in partnership. And I think the reason why was because and we could talk about this at a point where I think the reason why was because my mom's relationship was so tragic in how it you know started and ended. So like she already sees that maybe this overinvestment and romanticism is not necessarily the goal in life and that you should have other, th- other things like lined up for you, you know, so you don't really want to spend too much time pressuring your kids into marrying and partnering at young ages when they may not be ready for that. Or maybe they just don't care enough. Brianna, you seem like you're in a good place emotionally. So like you may want a partner, but you may not necessarily need one, you know, and you seem like you have your head on your shoulders and you know what you want.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, and then, like I said, that goes back to taking the time to figure out who you are. And I think a lot of people, not just women, but people, unfortunately, do not take the time to figure out who they are and what their core values are, what they're willing to compromise on, what they aren't willing to compromise on, and truly just take the time to be by yourself. There's so much you learn being by yourself, taking yourself out to dinner, treating yourself right. And because people haven't taken time to learn about that, they go into these relationships with a fucked up mentality. I'm sorry, if I curse. I don't know if I should. Right. <laughs> um, they go into these relationships with a messed up mentality and they expect their partner to bring the happiness that should come from internally. Mm-hmm. And so even though I've had that in my family, unfortunately, you know, taking the time to really get getting to know myself has really been able to, Uh, overcome that stigma that has been placed on me. And now I'm confident enough to say that, no, you know, I don't have anyone right now, but, you know, I'm happy, I'm fine, and I'm successful. And I think my family is starting to see that, that it's not necessarily all about having this this marriage or this partnership, because I'd rather be happy and alone than in a toxic relationship crying every night because somebody's doing me dirty and I don't want to be alone. So I, I choose to stay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Hey. Heck yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> where I am. Like, for, like, for real, for real. Like, I'm really reveling in, like, that space of, like, uncomfortability when it comes to being alone. Because I have never been alone, really. Like, I've always been alone and also not at the exact same time, you know? And, like, now I'm, like, actually... Um, forcing myself to sit down and think and like write things down. and like um, I hate to say it this way, but like not being so driven by the idea of like being wanted by by men, I date men. So being wanted by men, like that was a really um, overwhelming sort of aspect of who I was for a long time and it's like again like it's very uncomfortable to because I know I know I'm beautiful but like the valid sort of like needing the validation thing has always been present and I do think it is because of like you know my past experiences and things like this but um yeah that's where I'm at I feel you on the you have to figure it out on your own like you can't let somebody tell you um what's good for you like you know what's good for you
1: So one thing I think about a lot is because what I'm getting from both of you is that you're really settling into yourself and coming into your own. And it's really interesting to hear that from like younger women, because y'all can't be older than 25, honestly.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm 22. Yeah, like y'all are relatively young. So, you know, it makes me think like this stereotype about Black women being independent, like, in some ways it's true, but it's not because of what people think. I think because you know, you're know you a black woman, you have to be more resilient. And I think that because of the structural issues that we face, you really do kind of had to dig down deep and find something at your core that makes you stronger. And not in a sense like you can't be hurt, but more of that quiet sense of like knowing yourself and knowing what you want out of life. And I think we do get to that point at a much earlier age due to factors like outside of our control. But I don't want to romanticize those factors either because it can be like traumatic and harmful depending on how it happens for you. So what are your responses to this in terms of that that like stereotype of us being independent and so self-assured and so confident, you know?
0: And so for me, um, I think it, Firstly, it has a historical base um, you know, there, I mean, to take it back all the way, like we were in the fields right next to the men. So I feel like in our race, we have always been seen as equals because um, there wasn't this this break where, oh, I had to be delicate. I had to be a, a mistress of the house or whatnot. Like, no, we were working. <laughs> we were working. And that has carried. Through from mother to, to child to to next generation and through on out, and because of that we naturally I think innately have a strength that just displays itself, um, and then that's further built on by the fact that well you have the separation issues that come with our with being black, um, where the man doesn't stay and so now the mother has to be the provider and the the provider in a monetary financial space and a provider as a mother and caretaker. So we, we naturally just have this innate strength that I think displays, I can't really explain why it it displays itself the way it does, but we were never, we've always been, we've always felt that we needed to be equals to at least men and, you know, to other races as well. And so, I think it, I do think it's true that we are self-sufficient, we're independent, and we're more willing to take the risk of being independent than in other races as well. I don't mm-hmm. know if I explained that right, but that's kind of where I feel like it stems from, mm-hmm. and because of those historical facts, I do think it's true. <laughs> yeah,
2: I agree with you fully, like physically, like when it comes to money and like being like like doing labor like us having to be like units of labor that's always been a thing for us we never really had the opportunity to be um quote unquote delicate quote unquote feminine like that's just not who um we were allowed to be for a very very long time and even still and um Yeah, I agree completely. It it, it totally comes from a necessity, like especially when you consider the way people like the hierarchy that exists. Right. It's the white supremacist one. And we're like at the literal bottom, like nobody. Like, people people quote-unquote above us can look at us and be like, oh, well, I'm better than them. But, like, we just have to be, like, our best selves because we have, like, the the awareness constantly that people are expecting us to be um, basically everything that we're not, you know? And then if we consider, like, um, like controlling images, like, the way in which, like, those have um, fully, like, in the media and stuff, like, those things... These ideas that were like aggressive and were um, independent to a fault and all these other things have totally been like fed to us. And I do think that we reflect that as well because of what we've been trained to know. Um, and yeah, it's like you work you're in, in, in myself, like I'm constantly working against like what I think I'm supposed to be doing versus what i, I want to be doing how i how i how i truly am on the inside like how i'm i'm imbued by the universe or whatever god whatever you want to call it so yeah i agree completely it comes from um, history and just the manipulation around black womanhood that's always existed
0: and for me i also think it's not only what we have been told but what we haven't been told and mm. what I mean by that is that um to other races whether they're white um European Asian whatever have you they were always taught that you know you take care of the house men is men is men is the provider you take care of the house a lot of unfortunately a lot of times it's like I don't want to hear you I should see you not hear you mm-hmm. um And all these other things that put them on a a step below the man in that regard where I feel like we at least in my experience, I have never been told that I've been I've been told that, you know, respect the man. But he is your equal. You you are you are working on the same playing field because we have the same oppressions like we are dealing with oppressions of that are hitting us constantly every single day. And we're trying to break out of that and to break out of that we can't be delicate we can't be weak we can't be non-self-sufficient we have to be independent be self-sufficient in order to break out of those modes break out of that oppression and get to the next level and so i also think that also plays a part into why black women tend to be more aggressive in the boardroom or more aggressive in any type of situation because We've always had to be. I mean, it was either eat or get eaten for us. We've never had the option of just chilling back and not doing anything. Mm -hmm. We've always had to do something.
2: It's interesting. I have a very different experience when it comes to, um, like, I was brought up by Baptist Christian folk very much in the church. Um, I was raised to view myself potentially one day as someone's submissive wife. So like, there are some things, um, that I feel um, are oppressive to a degree when it comes to being a woman in the sense of how I'm supposed to honestly, like, it feels like, like relinquishing who I am completely to like serve a man potentially. And, And that's something that I am working to grow out of. But like, I'm not going to lie to you. There's an aspect of me um, that has romanticized that idea. And, like, I do sometimes imagine, like, in this realm, like, there are so many different possibilities. And that could still be who I am, you know? And I agree with you, though, because, like, I was raised to be that way. And yet it was women who were taking care of me, like, who were doing what I who were doing the things that they weren't supposed to be doing, essentially, like there were no husbands involved to submit to. Do you know what I mean? So and and it was confusing to me because it's like, okay, so I'm supposed if a man comes in the house, I'm supposed to make his plate but there's no man in the house like all of you are doing all these things that doesn't make any sense you know like my cousins and stuff would come over and like my older aunts and stuff like they would serve them and it's like why are you doing that like you made the food they don't pay your bills like I don't understand like why this is happening but it's just like a a system of thought so that was also that was always like very confusing for me as well because I didn't I didn't know how to make these two ideas like make any sense (laughs)
1: like be cohesive let me add on to this because you said something that like sparked a thought in me that i'm like people may not know this so when rihanna was talking about more of like the assertiveness of black women and how like we may have to in some instances play this game where you eat or you get eaten. And so we're perceived as more assertive, but largely because the world is more hostile to us than it is to others. So we really do have to be on the defense. But then one thing that Kiera brought up is that there is a certain level of domestic life that I think that America has been trained to not see. Like when you think about it, a lot of Americans don't know what domestic black life is like. They're not shown it. They're shown like crazy stuff that happens in urban communities And there are black people who live there, their stories are valid, but black suburban life is never shown. Like black people doing regular black things in middle-class households, what that actually looks like. You know, when I think about historically how black people have lived their lives, most Americans cannot tell you, even the people who were around at the time could not tell you what black people were doing at the time. Like there was a whole period of American history where there were so many black female housemakers Mm -hmm. In the 40s and 50s, there were more black men, women that were married than any other race. Black women Mm -hmm. were the most married race of women in the country because the men and the women created what I would call like a black code of conduct, meaning the sort of respectability that was expected from the black community at the time. So what black people are shown now has no bearing on historically the lives we were able to create. We had our own many societies within a society, you know, you had a white society, which was about, um, you know, conservatism and conformity and you had a mirror image in the black community, but it was never shown. It was never respected. People didn't see it. It was never showcased. And so it's like this whole part of black female domestic life where you had black female homemakers, black women in the church, black women, um, in different spheres there was a whole period of american history by the way where black women actually petitioned politicians to get things done in their communities and you know what a key part of the civil rights movement was black female homemakers. Oh, yes. there were so many of them mm. that they were able to petition and able to get their husbands to not spend money in stores because the women were in charge of the pocketbook the women were managing the homes so when we think about like what black female womanhood is and like the power that we have we only see it in this very specific lens like black women independent boss babes we don't see like the black <laughs> women who are homemakers who have more domestic lives and we don't even when you are trying to not see black women as human beings you don't see the constant struggle that black women have always had in this country with being domestic and wanting that domestic life that america is offering them but understanding that there are some serious constraints with that and that even operating within our society, within a society, society that patriarchal bargain still wasn't quite working out because we were highest, the highest married and our families were the most stable, but we were not happy. Right. So we're still on that track to understand like what would actually make us happy.
2: True.
0: And and you brought up a point that I was actually going to, not in the same uh, sense, but actually a point that I was going to bring up faith is that. Because it's interesting to see how you were taught, Kiera, from mm-hmm. your Southern Baptist perspective, you know, fix the men's plate and things like that, whereas I was also raised Southern Baptist, um, but that was necessarily not taught to me. And so, uh, and I'm not going to repeat what Faith said, because she hit all the points, but there was a, sh- in the Black domestic household. And so that, and that's what I saw. Personally, that's why I was like, I we weren't teaching that the men were above you know, the women because the women were equal because they were handling things that the men were not handling in the household, and that's what I constantly saw in my personal experience with my great grandmother, my grandmother, my uh, my mother, and any all the other family members because I come from a, a family where we stay married, we mm-hmm. like we do 50 anniversary vow renewals regularly so you know that seeing that that silent power if you Mm -hmm. will that is held by the black women in my family is what made me see that you know we're equals because it may Mm -hmm. not be as prevalent as like you know a boss kicking his feet up running the fortune 500 company but it there is a power there it's just it's a silent power and that's honestly sometimes some of the best power that you can have. Yeah. So no, great point, Faith. I completely agree there. And that's just my personal experience of what I've seen and which, and which is why I've always looked at men as my equal and that you're not, they're just things you're not going to, we're not going to take essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. re- Cause there's a way to, there's a way to do it. Like there's a way to let the man be the man. If you want to say it that way, but I'm still respected as the woman of this household. Mm-hmm. And that even more so fell on the men to make sure that I was respected as a woman of the household. So making sure nobody comes into this house and disrespects me. And it, and to be honest, that is something that I look for mm-hmm. in a man. Like, are you going to protect me? And, and if someone else is disrespecting me, are you going to step up? I do look for it. Didn't know I was looking for it until I actually found someone that w- that would do it. So... I that. that's real mm-hmm. so I wanted
1: to pivot a little bit and talk about your own personal experiences um with dating um, a really controversial subject is definitely um dating outside of your race it's like the big thing now everyone's talking about it there's like people trying to have courses and all crazy stuff is going on
0: so like <laughs> courses
1: <laughs> Books, courses, movies It's a its a burgeoning industry Like mm-hmm. black women dating outside their race Shocking I know right
0: It's the courses for me <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: So do you guys have experience with this? Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, what are you noticing?
2: Um, I would say when I was much younger um, The conditions in which I grew up made it so I was very much attracted to only white men like I had no desire for black men I was not I wasn't checking for them honestly because they weren't checking for me but then um when I went to college I was like oh okay wait like I like this a little bit better and then I was in a relationship for like A year and some months, and that was with a black man, and I was like very happy for a long time. It ended kind of tragically. It's unfortunate. People are people, you know. But I will say at this time in my life, I can't really see, uh, I don't really see that for myself dating outside of my race. Not because I don't want to, literally just because like I can't really conceptualize it in my brain. Um, I will say sometimes like you know like on youtube they'll have like um like a couple videos and like people very much are capitalizing on being in an interracial relationship it it makes me cringe so much sometimes when i see it because it's it's framed in this way where it's like uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that phrase, but you know that that video of um, Tamara Mowry, when she's like, they called me a white man's whore, like, <laughs> oh like yeah, that's, that's, she said it in the video, because like, that's just what I, that like immediately goes off in my brain, but it's purely the way that like, it's fetishized, like that black woman being with anybody else, like, type of energy is just so, sometimes it feels so not pure. It feels, and by pure, I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know the word, but it's just not natural, I guess. It feels sometimes like Um, back to like black women's struggle in dating, especially with black men thing. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to make the choice to not date black men. I'm going to date everybody else but black men. Whereas I feel like it could be more, okay, I'm open to everybody, you know, if it happens to be a white man that I fall in love with or an Asian man that I fall in love with or any other type of man or woman that I fall in love with. That's a beautiful thing. Um, but but I can't lie and say that it doesn't make me cringe sometimes, like the that like the courses, the idea that there are courses for black women to date outside of their race, that makes me want to gag just a little bit, only because it just, I, I can't really, I'm imagining maybe the kind of person who is looking for that, and I just feel like that's very unnecessary, I don't know, that doesn't have to be a thing, but but people... People, but people do dating courses like how to do this how to do that like they get coaches and things of this nature so I guess it's not so different I just have a bias <laughs> honestly
0: <laughs> <laughs> well for for me um and and I'm talking strictly in when it's in its purest form so not like being inorganic or just you know trying to capitalize on a fetish if you will in its purest Love, organic form. Love is love. If you want to date a white, Asian, Spanish, Italian man, go girl, you'll do you. Um, I do think that part of it, part of dating outside of your race can stem from the fact that what we talked about earlier with, you know, there's a stigma that we're undesirable in, in our own community. So you look for love elsewhere. Um, but, you know, for me, love is love. And so I have no issue with dating outside of my race. I've not dated. I mean, I've had, I had my situationships, but, um, you know, it, I'm looking at the person for me, you know, it's what, what is in your mind? What do you bring to the table outside of your attractiveness and outside of your looks? Um, and so I'm not I wouldn't be opposed to it if, a, you know, a white man that, you know, light my fire, walked up and we had a conversation and want to pursue something. Then I'd be open to that, um, because to me, love is love in 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 all forms. And so who am I to tell you who to love and why you love them? Because love is for me, it's something that can't be explain like why why do you love somebody oh well they do this and well they do that but I mean your best friend does this and does that too what is that determining factor and it's something that everyone feels but nobody can ad- accurately explain why this is you know quote unquote the one for me mm-hmm. versus anybody else when naturally we all ask for the same stuff oh someone to treat me nice respect me listen to me mm-hmm. um and you know we have fun together and laugh we Pretty much all acts for the same stuff. But what is that determining factor? Nobody knows, we can't put a flame on it. And I think it's just something internal and natural. So, you know, if a black woman or anybody wanna date outside their race, do you. Just make sure it's real and don't be playing with folks out here. That's what I can't stand, is when you're like doing it inorganically or with mal- a malicious intent and you're playing with people's emotions because ultimately that's a human being and you're gonna hurt them. And that's when I get upset.
2: Yeah. So. I also kind of feel like, yeah, because I lost it. I feel that. Oh, for me, um, I I do think about like the social implications of it as well. Not necessarily like how people might view me and my non-black partner in public, but just internally in the relationship. um, Like I have biases. Other races of people have biases and anti-blackness has been a thing for entirely too long. And sometimes I would rather, when I'm thinking about dating outside or opening myself up to non-black men, I am thinking about that, about how I don't want to have to mitigate that potentially. And not that black men aren't anti-black sometimes, like colorism is real and like all these things are can happen with any men that you're dating any person that you're dating but just it's kind of scary to me I will be a hundred percent honest it's just a little bit um it makes me a little bit uncomfortable the idea of it sometimes and not that I don't feel like um another race of men like could could handle me or not that's that doesn't have a lot to do with it it's more so like I'm comfortable here I like this um, again like back to it's hard for black women to date it is hard for black women to date but I don't I don't want that to be the reason why I feel like it's necessary for me to step out of my comfort zone if that makes any sense um, yeah, and that's that's fully where I'm coming from with that. I, I agree with you fully, though. Like, love is love. I, um, again, like, I'm open in my heart, <laughs> but, like, it's very much a mind over matter kind of thing. Like, my brain takes charge when it comes to me. Um, really being able to see myself, like, in a long-term situation with somebody who doesn't look like me. You know, like, the thought of, like, potentially having children that... um. And I guess it's kind of uh, egotistical that I want my kids to look like me, but it's like these types of things are things that I've envisioned for myself, you know? So it's it's difficult. And there's a lot of messaging also that I've fallen victim to, I guess, um, with the fact that black women um, are supposed to be for black men, you know? So yeah, that's what I wanted to say about that.
0: (laughs) I, and I can see that. And so, I mean, if I, if you would ask me, I, I mean, I have a preference towards black men and I think that, I think that's okay. I'm not discriminating against anything, anybody else. Cause we all have our preferences. Right. Um, but, it, you know, I would be open to dating other races and um, to be honest, interracial couples have their own challenges, their own unique set of challenges that saying uh, race couples just do not have there's the cultural gap that you have to um, overcome the family gap that you have to overcome um, and you know you might learn some things about your family members that you weren't ready to learn <laughs> exactly. when you bring home somebody that don't look like everybody else at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, the children gap as you talked with before, well, what if my children doesn't look like me, and I think you would still love them regardless, but that is something to overcome. Um, But also the the talks that you would have to have, particularly when you were talking of mixed babies of black and white, because they might see both sides of the the fence, to be honest, because they might be white enough to, you know, experience some privilege. Let's be real. And they might be black enough to face some stigma and have that same that. duality between mm-hmm. siblings because one might be light and one might be dark and so mm-hmm. um how do we how do we work through that How and how do we work toward that but you know ultimately interracial couples when it's pure I think it's you know a beautiful thing mm-hmm.
2: yeah I also do feel like um like, as we were talking about before, like, Black women are um, very successful, like, across the board. And so I can imagine, like, Black women who want to be with people that are like them when it comes to, like, materials, like, financially and things like this. Um, I think it's um, important to consider that also, like, to not, like, for example, you, Brianna, like you're a very successful woman. And unfortunately, the ways in which the world has operated has made it so that there are the population of black men that are where you are like in your life at this time, at this age is just a little bit like you don't have like a big pool of options to choose from if you limit yourself to black men or any anybody else, you know? So like the purity of it, Sometimes I do want it to be just about the love, but it does, like, have to take into account, um, like, can you meet me where I'm at, you know? Like, it's it's, it's okay if you can't, but it's like, if we're going to be in partnership, I do think that's something to consider as well. And so that would be, that's why I would advocate for Black women to date outside as well, so that you don't feel like you're having to just limit yourself, I guess.
0: I definitely do think that people limit themselves by dating within their race, um, you know, and only dating within their race to say uh, that more accurately, um, because you know there are people that can meet you where at, and not to say that you know there aren't successful black men because there are. Of course, yeah, I, yeah of course I, not. I, I see your brothers, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, you know. That, that is something to say is that you do limit yourself by only dating within your race and that there's so many more people, more experiences and so much more that someone you know can teach you by just opening your perspectives just a little bit. But you can go ahead, Faith.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted you to say what you have to say because I fundamentally disagree uh, with some things. And it's, it's really hard for me because as I grow, there there is going to be some evolution in how I think, but you know I've spent a lot of time thinking about what people mean when they say like they love someone like I'm very very critical of like this idea of love in the system that we're in It's not to say that you can't fall in love sincerely and truly, but what is the nature of that love like mm. And it's not just for interracial relationships too, like just in general, even within black love, right? Like what is that love that we're really after? Is it like a comfort feeling? Is it a sense of familiarity? Um, And how does like power play into that? And as a black woman, you know, I think what's the reason why it's so hard for me to date is not necessarily because I'm not attractive or desirable to different types of men, but it's more of the fact that I understand and I'm always so critical of like, what, why do you really love me? Mm. Like, is it because you think you can control me, you can dominate me? Is it because you feel like I'm dominating? And so therefore you don't really have to work to try and earn me because you feel like I'm this firecracker. So you can sit back and let me take the reins in the relationship. Like, as I date different types of men, I date their expectations as well, and so sometimes, like what they expect from me as a woman, as a black woman, as a black woman in this body, like what they interpret that love for me to mean, and how they think they should express it, like there are some guys who it's different types, so let's say, for instance, there's a guy I dated who was like a white guy, he was cool or whatever, but um he was more laid back, um I find like the white men who are actually interested in seeing black women as more serious partners do tend to be more liberal. I get or progressive, I guess you in- pol- politics right, so what I came across though was that this man was nice, but there was this element of this sense that oh, you're this strong black woman like you endure so much in a society, but it I was not feeling the romanticism that I thought I was supposed to feel like why is this man not trying to earn me? Like, would you approach a white woman in the same way that you approached me? Like, would you be trying to go on half effort dates where we schedule it like the day of or the right day right before? Would you have brought flowers? And maybe that's like a really toxic way to think. But when you look at the romanticism in society, and who is seen as desirable and worthy of certain types of affection. I have to wonder why is it that like, when we talk about love for black women, it only looks a certain way. I don't really see black women being loved out loud very often, Mm -hmm. no matter what race they're with. And then I have to consider as well, like the political nature of that love, like are people loving out of spite? Are they choosing someone because they're told they can't love that person? Are they choosing someone because they're told no one else will love you. So you have to be with the black man no one else will understand you no one else can make you know have sex with you the way i can you know i I just have to think about the political nature of this because i'm leaning towards i need to leave the united states to experience (laughs) liberation and love and see be seen as something other than this highly complicated set of identities that people can't relate to people can't touch people can't really feel that humanness i feel like america has gotten rid of the humanness of black women to the point where we reduce ourselves to like objects of desire, of attention, commodities, and we're constantly commodifying ourselves. So I don't know, is, you you understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm just That's highly very, very critical mean. of this. I, I don't even know if I can really feel love in this space because it's so contentious
2: yeah.
1: and it's hostile to my body, to my psyche, you know, I know. I... Yeah,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I everything you said you know um, you know you said maybe this is a toxic way of thinking I don't necessarily think it's a toxic way of thinking I think it's what you have experienced being you know digested and processed by your mind and your body and how you truly view you know love and romanticism and so for me you know I have to remember that I come from a family where I do think I've seen love in its purest form, um and I think I've seen toxic love and I think I've seen all all types of love um the people that have stayed married that probably shouldn't have, but they still um and the ones that truly do love each other and so taking that lens um for me, it's all about communication and vulnerability, that's where I find my romanticism and love piece and so for someone that I'm currently uh dating um you know we had a talk the other day where it was like well I would like to go on a date and he was like I well I understand you know um I've been working so I apologize for uh you know, canceling our dates and whatnot. And I had to explain to him like why this felt why I felt like this need I needed to be loved out loud as you said and not be loved in an apartment or just in the bedroom. And so I think for, for me, I I expect certain things. Um but I'm also willing to communicate that and have a conversation. And through those conversations and that communication and being able to be vulnerable is where I find my love peace, And if I'm, if I'm, for me, because it's really hard, it's really hard for me to be vulnerable with people. I'm the type of person that, that'll clam up and be like, I'm fine when I know I'm not fine. And for me to be vulnerable with you, you enter a space where I, I'm comfortable. And I've always said that when I date men, they're not, competing against other men out here they're competing with my comfort zone because I've gotten so comfort comfortable with myself that if I don't want to be in your space I will leave cuz I know I'm much happier at home by myself mm-hmm. 9 times out of 10 and
2: mm-hmm. so when I get
0: into this comfort zone with you I find that I can relax and I can be myself and you become a part of my my heart my life and that with all and everything that comes with that and you become my family and I think from there a love grows and I think love changes over time as well you have that what they call that newlywed love that honeymoon love where you just can't get enough of each other but then it grows into this strong attachment love if you will but I don't even need to call it attachment love because you it'll grow into this Oh, we're good. But I ain't got to be all up on you. We can have separate bedrooms, separate, you know, man cave, woman cave, go on a trip, you go on a trip, but I still love you and I'm still here for you. And I've seen that love, too. And I've seen the we don't been together so long that, it, <laughs> you know, it it's almost disrespectful how long we've been, <laughs> been together. um, And. We may have our issues, but I love you. I've seen people have full blown arguments where just like maybe they shouldn't be together. But then when they're in when the other person's in need, it doesn't matter, they're there. Like perfect example, my grandparents, my grandparents may argue about the little stuff all the time and you know, have little nitpick fights, but he'll turn around and feed my grandmother because she's in the hospital and she can't really feed herself without hesitation it it's literally like that and like that's love in my in my eyes and so maybe you know you and me see the world very differently on that regard faith but I do think it exists and I think it can exist within the United States sometimes relationships don't last but if they do I think it does turn into a beautiful beautiful thing that truly does mean till death to us part Truly, and I've and I feel like I've seen it, and that's what I aspire to. But I know it takes work if you're willing to work through that, it turns into this beautiful, beautiful thing for me. I know that's very long winded to say what I got to say, but that's I do feel passionately about it. So
2: that's very beautiful. I appreciate appreciated um, mm-hmm. you acknowledging that, that the reason why we feel about love. If we believe it exists or not, it's fully a product of our experiences. Um, again, like I don't know who said this, but some woman said I saw a video once, and she was like, "Love to me is like someone loving me, love myself," and I feel like that's kind of where I sit with it currently. When I'm as I'm creating this definition of it. You know, and um, that is a little bit different than yours, Brianna, and that's probably a bit different than yours, Too Faith. But it's, it's. I I think it's so valuable that you brought in that aspect that like love is hard to explain because it's so many different things. You know, like I feel loved when um, somebody is willing to pick my nose for me. You know, like that—that—that—that's a loving. That's my love language. Like I love, like me feeling like I, I can be so pure and raw and dirty and ugly, and like you just think I'm the best thing that ever existed. That—that's when I feel the most loved. You know, versus somebody, um, maybe somebody might want. Uh, their their love language might be somebody like helping them uh, progress in life and in different aspects or um, let's say they're an artist somebody who's willing to like help them create art and do these things you know but yeah I think that's a really beautiful um, and also necessary point to make that it, it looks different for everybody love is I believe love is life and life is incredibly complicated so
1: Yeah. Life is very complicated. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But to to clarify a point that I made earlier, I don't want people to think that like I don't think love exists or anything like that. I'm just incredibly critical of American life because Mm -hmm. I when you know so many people who live abroad and you see the constructs that exist in the United States it concerns me because of the way that we're trained to see each other. Like we're trained to commodify each other. We're trained to look at each other as like a means to an end. And even the way like men and women view each other now, like I'm sure you guys probably have opinions about how like there's like a gender war that happens in between in the black community. And it's not just that's my Jew. This is like much bigger than just a race issue, but in the black community there is this like contention between men and women over different issues but i just think like the way that america has trained us to see each other interact with each other and it just feels so not human anymore and especially in 2020 it's become so apparent to me like there's such a lack of love a lack of like life and other people are seeing it too and, it, and i'm trying not to cry but i just feel so sad it's so sad to see like this degradation of like what's supposed to be like a celebration of life and diversity to see all of that kind of get eroded it makes me feel like there is such a there is a chance for people to find love and meet and really connect but there's so many barriers to get through to see each other's humanity past all the other constructs and the nonsense and the the things that we're told about each other you know
2: yeah, I agree no. with that. And I do think to a degree that's where faith comes in. Like faith, not you faith, but faith, mm. whatever that means to you. Because <laughs> um, I agree with you completely. And like really um, what allows me genuinely to give most people a chance is like, okay, there, there's a possibility. So something is looking over me and something um, has heard me when I'm you know alone in my bed at night and I'm like oh I, I want love I want to be loved there's something that's hearing me and maybe this is a person who possibly can be that for me you know but I agree completely it, 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 it does make uh, me emotional as well sometimes when I think too hard about it <laughs> it's hard that's noted thinking too Sorry. you're not thinking too far so i'm just saying when i sit and think about it for a long time
0: <laughs> but and i think for me um well i do think faith plays a plays a role into it and again talking about higher faith versus like the faith on the podcast um <laughs> but i also like to practice the giving of love so um And as you guys were talking, I had thought about two things, Um, one being, well, love is giving you the tools to hurt me and trusting you not to use them. And that's like a quote that I've seen. Um, And I do think that has a a lot of truth into it, because at at its core. Trust is a part of love. If I can't trust you, how the heck do I (laughs) expect to love you? Um, and it goes back to that piece for us talking about we're being vulnerable with somebody. When I'm vulnerable with you, I'm giving you the trigger points, the ugly, the dirty that you can use truly if you want it to, to hurt me. And I'm trusting you not to, I'm trusting you to hold my vulnerability as precious as I hold it. Um, and for me, that, that plays a huge part into how I build love and, um, but the second thing is give what you would like to receive. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a big proponent of giving love. And so even if this world, you know, the U.S. is and it's true. It lacks a lot of love, especially with the stigma of social media and everything else hounding into and breaking into that. What love looks like and how do we express love? Um, I give love every day, even if someone does. <laughs> Takes me off and I feel like they don't deserve it. <laughs> I give love because at the end of the day, we're I'm a human trying to be a human to someone else, mm. um, and so I feel like I radiate love. And if you don't feel it, I'm gonna make sure you figure out a way to, <laughs> to feel it. Um, and I feel like that has profound effects into what I get back, um, just the kindness and love because I love to exude that. I don't want to. Just because you have a different agenda than me doesn't mean you're not human and that you don't have your own problems and that you don't have your own life. I have not been in your life, in your shoes for a second of time. So how could I fully and truly understand what what you are feeling in this exact moment when you decide to be unkind to me? So I just give love back to you. Um, And I feel like that radiates into the universe and ultimately. It comes back, and doesn't mean it comes back in a romanticized form. Sometimes it comes back in a friendship love or parental love or um, a pet love, if you will. And so, you know, when you give love, you, you can feel love. And then when you feel love, you give it. And so it's like a cycle. And I just try to keep the cycle going. So I'm a big proponent of also believing to give love. And not, you know, and not to say that, you know, I'm, I'm giving it only so it can return back to me. Give love freely. Give love with the purpose of I just want to give it mm-hmm. and that ultimately it will come back to you. I think
2: that's so wonderful. And I, I think it's really important. Um, I believe the reason why you can do that and the reason why you feel that is because you have love for yourself. You know, like you said, like you sat with yourself for a period of time and you were like, let me just let me do this. Let me figure me out. Let me enjoy myself. And I think the reason again, the reason why you can be that way and you are that way is because, again, like you love yourself. And that's um, I guess that like goes back to what we were saying in the very beginning as well. Like you can't whatever situation like you are in before you have like the the blueprint of your humanity like laid out and like understood internally it won't really be proper you know it won't feel the way that you want it to because you don't really know what it's what it is what it looks like or how how it should be you know yeah and so
0: like and like and that self-love is so 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 important i cannot stress it enough because honestly in a relationship you are asking somebody to try to understand you Mm -hmm. and if you can't understand yourself you don't know yourself how in the world is you are you going to communicate to someone to understand you Mm -hmm. so self-love and taking time for yourself is so important it's so key and Mm -hmm. I would, I would stress it 10 times over because as I'm learning, as I, you know, am dating someone for real <laughs> this time. Um, and, you know, at the beginnings of a, what could be a beautiful relationship, there's so many times where I had to step back and be like, okay, what am I, what is this what I'm asking for? Um, and, and fight my own and essentially and fight my own internal demons when I had doubts about things and have a conversation with myself. So that way, if I need to have a conversation with him, I already knew what I was ready to talk about with him versus trying to figure out in the moment, trying to have a conversation with him and be like, Oh wait, Nope, Nope, never mind, You know? And from there, I was able to have clear, concise communication with him about what I want, what I, what I need as a, as me, you no, know, And, what he needs back and be able to truly listen and and that only because i took the time to figure out myself so self-love is so so important i cannot stress enough i will always advocate for it Mm -hmm. so take yourself to dinner this is is a (laughs) mini plug take yourself to dinner take yourself out treat yourself if you can't treat yourself how you want to be treated by someone else then how are you going to expect somebody else to treat you like that? You want to treat yourself like that. So, you know, do all the little stuff that makes you happy. And it'll, you know, you come into a relationship knowing, well, if anything else, I can make myself happy. And it becomes, I feel like that's the foundation for a healthy relationship is knowing yourself, being able to treat yourself and knowing that this person can give you happiness but they are not the source of your happiness it's you
2: and i think that's a a wonderful way again to like mitigate being in like a marriage for example with somebody who you don't want to be with you know like like you were saying earlier like you've seen that I've seen that too that was how my parents were my parents were incredibly toxic with one another and they were together for a very long time solely because I existed and my little brother existed you know but my parents now are figuring out who they are and they're much their dynamic is so much better as like co-parenters because they're like It took them 50 years, but they're doing it now. They're doing the work, the shadow work and all these things, you know, so they can be who they're supposed to be or who they envision themselves as. Um, I don't want to say higher self, but like they're the, the, the best, the purest form of who they were destined to be, I believe.
1: Thank you for coming on the show. You're both very intelligent. You both were very well spoken and gave some really good feedback. Like Brianna, your points about being like optimistic in love and like searching for it, giving the love that you want to receive, is like super important. Kiara, you're very wise. <laughs> I forgot everything you said, but I just thought I was like, mm. so funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: so Girl, funny. now she hit some points.
1: Uh, thank you so much. Do you guys have um, any final words, um, any nuggets of advice for, you know, some of the younger Black girls who are listening to this podcast? Let's say they're in, they're not even 20, right? What would
2: you say to them to encourage them? Leave that man alone. (laughs) Leave that man alone. Like, no, I'm so serious. Like, hone in. Like, if you're good at something, hone in on that skill. Like, what's meant for you will come to you. You don't, you're entirely too young to be out here worried about being single. It's fine. Being single is not a disease. It's actually a very beautiful thing. Um, embrace it, like we said before. You have to love yourself. You really have to love yourself. You really have to love yourself. You have to love yourself. You don't have a choice.
0: Um, I think yeah, Kier said said it um, best. Uh, I will only add to that: is that there are some good men in 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 their younger their younger age. Um, me and Faith know a friend uh, mutually that has. Been able to experience that, but know that you know if someone's willing to work with you, that 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 counts for something, know. <laughs> you know. So if they're willing to to battle your ugly with you, you might want well to keep them around, <laughs> you know. Just just saying, and I don't even have to be in a a boyfriend girlfriend um, non-binary because we, we have we have we gotta represent the all the spectrum, but um you know. Even in a friendship, because I've had friends, too, that are willing to help me battle my ugly. And that that is a friend that you can't pay you. you It's priceless. You can't. They're worth their weight in gold. And so, um, you know, if you find somebody, friend or otherwise, that's willing to battle your ugliness with you, keep them around. Um, but also learn to love yourself because y'all know everything. I don't know everything. And I'm 20, what, 23. I don't know everything. I don't claim to know everything. And I damn sure didn't know everything when I was 15, even if it feels like 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever. So, you know, just love yourself and, and be open to learning. Mm.
1: I totally agree. Um, My final thoughts on this is that if you're a young black girl watching this go find another young black girl. Please go find another young black girl that you can relate to because I truly think when you love yourself, you love black women. Like we you truly celebrate your own beauty, you celebrate the beauty in other black girls just like you, and you won't feel alone. You know, a lot of the stuff you see in media can make you feel really alone, really confused. It might make you feel like Maybe you're ugly or undesirable or that the things that you're noticing and that are happening to you are only happening to you. It's not the case. Like, please find other smart black girls like yourself to get to know and you can share your experiences. And I promise you, you will not feel alone. And with that, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and wrap. Thank you once again, guys, for doing this for sharing your words of wisdom and your perspective, like your, your feelings and your perspective are all valid. And it's really important to share. So I hope you have a lovely day. Stay tuned for part two.